something sexy. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. Today, I am hosting episode 71, and I'm your host, <laughs> Cat Wonders, Clown Wonders. Um, actually, it's funny because I don't... So I'm supposed to be a clown, kind of a cute clown. But then I remembered, you know, when I was a kid, somehow as a gift, I received a little porcelain mask, kind of like a white mask with beautiful painting on it. And it came in a little box. And I think maybe I bought it from San Francisco's. Do you guys remember that store? <laughs> San Francisco's. Um, and either I received it, bought it, I can't remember, but I wound up with like a bit of a collection of these little masks and never really hung them up and somehow they just disappeared one day probably <laughs> you know boxed up and put somewhere I never ever found again because we moved quite a bit when I was younger but oh my goodness then I was thinking am I one of those little dollies I mean the little masks that are painted the little porcelain masks because they were so beautiful to me and maybe that's what I am <laughs> maybe they were clowns too happy sad clowns uh if you guys remember, if any of you remember what the hell I'm talking about, then please let me know because <laughs> was it even a thing? <laughs> was it just like a, a random section of um, San Francisco's? San Francisco's, I think, has been gone for a long time. They used to sell all kinds of weird stuff. They used to sell, there was like a section with like random sex toys. <laughs> That's where I bought my blow up furniture. When I was a teenager, I bought like a blow up couch. And a blow up chair, I got a lava lamp, I had like beads in front of my door. The theme of my bedroom was yellow and green. I was not a pink girl by any means. And looking at me now, would you believe it? Um, this is Sugar Thrills. This is Sugar Thrills. This is from one of their latest collections, not their latest collection because their latest is like Good Witch. This was more of their clowny circus, like their line that came out a couple two lines ago. <laughs> when I say line, I mean like collection. So I bought a bunch of it. Anyway, these keep falling down and I'm thinking that I don't really care and I'm just going to leave them that way uh, because I could tighten them, but it would just, just see if I can do that. That's one thing that Sugar Thrills does a lot of that I don't like. It's the shoulder tie straps because it's really awkward and kind of difficult to get it where you want it. And then they always wind up being forward. Whatever. I think that's cute. So episode 71. So this is the first October episode. And I'm going to be dressing up, you guys, every Friday in October. Um, next, I've got a couple of costume ideas, but okay, that's better. <laughs> um, because it's Halloween time. Okay, spooky season. And I like to dress up anyway, but it's going to be extreme for the month of October. Um, and just letting you know. <laughs> I know this isn't super extreme and I'm filming so late, it's getting dark outside. So I just had some shit to do and then I wound up working out late and then eating and then, like making extravagant foods for lunch at the steak and it was just decadent, but I cooked it a very special way. Anyway, <laughs> uh, also, I'm also not used to wearing like really dark lipstick. I think this is the first time I've ever worn something close to black. I've worn like a dark red, but this is interesting. It's like a deep purple. And then I put some like light in the middle just to kind of add a little bit of depth. 
you know? So if my teeth are black halfway through this, then it's because of my lipstick. Okay, so I'm gonna start off with concoctails. Now I've never, so I made sangria, red wine mixed with juice. I've never really made like a white wine spritzer type drink. Um, I recently joined a wine subscription service. This is not sponsored, but this subscription service is called um, Bright Cellars. It's for Canadians, okay? So if you're Canadian and you want a wine subscription, which means you get wine in the mail every month, um, then I highly recommend Bright Cellars. Uh, they should be sponsoring me, but they ain't. I'm just, you know, a good Canadian gal trying to help my Canadian pals. <laughs> I'm a Canadian gal helping my Canadian pals. Um, they, they, you have different options. You can get two bottles a month, you can get four, you can get six. I of course get six of a mixture because I do like red and white. And um, yeah, so it's kind of just like a way to, you're kind of forced into trying new wines that you wouldn't normally pick up at the grocery store or may, grocery store, the, <laughs> I said grocery store. I meant to say liquor store, but I almost said drugstore. Anyway, um, at the liquor store. And maybe some of these aren't even available in liquor stores or your liquor store. So anyway, it's a decent, like you get really good prices on wines, good discounts. Ugh, and I'm so bad at decorking wine. It's not even funny. Anyway, this one didn't break, but I don't know why nine times out of 10, the cork busts or breaks in half. And then I wind up having to freaking become a rocket surgeon to try to get it out. <laughs> it's funny, I made that joke before. Like, you know, it's 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 not rocket science or it's not brain surgery, but I, I mix the two up and say, it's not rocket surgery, <laughs> just to sound like a dumb blonde because sometimes it's it's really who I am. Um, okay, so today we're gonna mix some. This is a Pecorino IGT Coli Aprutini, Barbara. <laughs> That's the name of the wine, Barbara. Um, the It is from, it's a product of Italy and there's no information. I mean, not in English anyway. Um, I'm gonna try this wine first without mixing it just because it could be a new favorite. It could be corked, you know, let's try it. I like it. Barbara Colimorino. I wonder what, if this is like a Pinot Grigio, is this like a Chardonnay? I don't know. What does Colimorino, a uh, Colimorino mean? What does Colimorino mean? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, this is, I swear to God, this is my first drink today. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna mix this with some Fresca because Fresca has like a nice fresh light taste and I think it might pair well with this white wine. So I'm gonna do some wine Fresca and add some blackberries because the fruit man is in town and I picked up peaches, nectarines, um, raspberries, blackberries, pears. And I think that's it. And uh, oh my goodness, the peaches are this big. You guys are the size of my tit. <laughs> they're huge and they're so juicy. Um, and literally like you, you know, sometimes when you buy fruit, that's like too good to be true because it's so big, like strawberries that are huge or, and then it tastes like very mild because the fruit is big. 
uh, not these peaches. <laughs> it packs the punch of a <laughs> it packs the punch of a small peach. This big peach. Okay, these big peaches. I should even bring them up. But maybe you've seen them before. Like they get to be so huge and they're just perfect. People are harassing me. What do you want from me? All right. So all I'm going to do is add some wine and some fresca and then plop some blackberries in there and muddle it around a little bit with my cocktail stir stick. So here we go. Some of the Barbara and some Fresca. Fresca kind of sounds Italian too. Fresca Colimorino. <laughs> Very fancy. <laughs> How did I plant that? Uh, the blackberries may throw it over the edge, but let's find out. Let's find some good ones in here. One. Let me just make some room. Oh, yes. That combo is good. Fresca and white wine works. Normally I would have like a Halloween cocktail. Um, I literally <laughs> just grabbed what I had downstairs. But this is really, really good. And it kind of looks creepy. It could kind of look like little brains in, in a cauldron or something, okay? So that's what that is. And I brought a straw this time. Actually, I'm gonna muddle up some of these blackberries if I can, just to get some of that flavor out of there. And you, you wanna know what? Okay, so this looks itchy. It's not. And one thing I discovered uh, about these kind of chokers is that it hides my double chin. So if you're self-conscious, just put a little clown collar on and no one will notice. <laughs> All right, let me have an official sip with those blackberries in there. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I kind of want to call this fresco, fresca colemorino. I keep, I keep reading it because I forget what it is, how, how to pronounce it, but. Um, that might just be a bit of a cough out. I, I don't know. I'm getting so bad at this. <laughs> so blackberries, white wine, fresco, fresca. Let's call this, no. <laughs> I almost said something really bad. <laughs> Whoa, I caught myself. Okay, let me just think about that one again. Um, no, I'm going to call it Colimorino Fresco. <laughs> That's all I got right now, okay? It's something might come to me later on in the episode, but. So, you guys, this dress, the tool, actually goes with my collar. All right, my week. I, <laughs> excuse me, that, those fresco bubbles are intense. Um, I went to a very, very lovely, lovely wedding over the weekend and, um, it was just so much fun. And it was very like, the ceremony was nice and short. The weather was perfect. It wasn't like a long drawn out ceremony where you waited forever. And um, and the party was great. The food was good. And you guys, they had French macaroons there. And that's my favorite thing in the world. And you know what the sad part was? <laughs> Is by the time I realized where they were, there was like three left. So yes, I did scoop them all. And they were absolutely delicious. Ooh. I'm loving this. I was also at Sparkling Hills. 
uh, one of my favorite places to stay ever. Uh, it's in Kelowna. Yeah, it was just wonderful. Actually, the wedding party stayed at Sparkling Hills. and It was wild. It was a little bit crazy. It was three straight days of parts. So it was like, you know how different um, cultures have longer weddings? You know, like in India, they have like a 10-day wedding. This was like a three-day wedding. And so, and it was fun because it was like a bunch of people I'd never met before that were all super cool. And then we just all hung out and partied. And I was like, okay, I gotta say, we have to save energy for the actual wedding day. Because <laughs> we were there on a Friday. And then the wedding was until Sunday. Anyway, we wound up, we did party, but I, I definitely saved all of my energy, not most of my energy for the Sunday night for the party. It was so good. Um, and then what else? Oh yeah. I went to my dentist and, uh, finally got all the work done that I needed to get done and then went to the orthodontist to get my teeth scanned for Invisaligns. And, um, I didn't, I didn't know what I was expecting. I kind of expected to go in to get scanned, but then also like give, um, impressions, you know, no, all you do, it was like literally five minutes. You sit in a chair, the girl helping you or whoever's doing it has this little device that looks like a long pen with a, with an end on it. And then they just run it all throughout your entire mouth. And it takes a 3d image of your, your teeth and your gums. And uh, she was like, okay, that's it. And then I could see right away, like the scan of my teeth. And I was like, whoa, that's wild. <laughs> like the technology is crazy. And even how Invisaligns work, you know, it's like insane to me that essentially a computer will switch up your Invisaligns because you get a new tray every week. Okay, so you get a bunch of trays and you, you're supposed to switch them out every week or every 10 days, I'll let you know. And, uh, and basically you, it just figures out and changes each Invisalign to give that tweak that you need every week. It's just wild to me. <laughs> I could have gone with braces, which wouldn't be the best case scenario for me because I, that's, braces aren't cute on grownups. <laughs> Actually, it's not true. Like, I think I've seen some grownups with braces and they're, it's very endearing and like, it's like, oh, that's, that's great. And it would work a lot quicker because my Invisaligns I'm, I'm going to have to wear for like 12 to 18 months before my teeth get in the right position. But you got to wear them like 22 hours a day. And what's freaking me out is I've seen some people with Invisaligns that are, you could tell that they're wearing them. They look kind of not great. They're kind of yellowy stained. They have like little nodules on their teeth when they're not wearing the Invisaligns just because the Invisalign kind of has to click onto something. So like they put this kind of like a cement or something on your teeth. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to have the cement little nodules put on the back side of my teeth because sometimes that works too. So I was like, I gotta be on camera a lot. I don't want little nodules on my teeth. And if it has to be that way, it has to be that way. I'm just gonna accept it. It's not forever. It's just like a little short period of time. Well, 18 months is <laughs> not that short, but you know what I mean. So yeah. I will be taking them out when I'm filming, probably. I might show you what they're like and then pop them out so that, you know, just in case you're curious. Maybe you're looking to get Invisaligns. Maybe Invisalign will sponsor me <laughs> and then I can just document my entire journey. Okay, so I saw something the other day online uh, and I don't need to find the video. I could just explain it to you because it's a short video. But it was a guy with just his underwear on and like socks, and, sh and runners jumping out of an airplane. Did you know that there's something called no parachute skydiving? <laughs> it's not suicide. It's 
actually taking skydiving to the next level. So these guys go up into an airplane, one jumps out without a chute and relies on the other guy to catch him midair and take him down safely. I'm imagining that there's a backup, like there's two jumpers. So for example, <laughs> there's one guy that's gonna like the main guy that's gonna grab the idiot that jumped out of the plane without a parachute. And then if something goes wrong, then at least there's a backup dude. But I was thinking, I'm like, okay, there's always things, crazy things that could happen to the human body at any given moment. So say, say dude without the parachute jumps out and the guy that's jumping out initially, like first, has like a brain aneurysm and passes out, okay? So, but then the guy, the backup guy has to choose who the hell he's gonna save. I mean, likely he'd save the guy without the parachute because the other guy could have just, you know, he could come to and pull his chute because he's got one too. Or you hang on to both. And then when you get close enough to the ground, you pull your buddy chute that passed out and just let him land wherever he lands and then save the guy without the chute. Okay, that's that's what, see, I would have figured it out. If I was up there and I was the, the second, I was the backup guy, I would have figured that out. But it just took me a moment here in the ground <laughs> to figure that out. So that would be probably what you need to do. Um, but I thought to myself, like that is definitely taking it to the next level. Like that is wild and would feel incredibly strange to jump out of a plane without anything, like just in your underwear. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. Maybe you've seen that before, maybe you haven't, but you can look it up. It's like, it's just type in like no parachute. This is an aggressive fruit fly. So since having fresh food, fresh food, fresh fruit in my house, the fruit flies have emerged and they're pissing me off. This is lovely. And it's not summertime anymore. This would have been a great summertime option. A fresca and some white wine. Um, but this is really good white wine. So you don't necessarily... Fruit flies love wine. I want to let this wine breathe, but I don't want to breathe it to breathe in all of the <laughs> fruit flies. Okay, so I ordered a bunch of body tape. Okay, I had a friend show me a picture a while ago of this gorgeous supermodel wearing nothing but little pieces of chrome tape and it looks magical and for a long time I've been looking for for this tape like just online randomly like I'll, I'll think about it from time to time and look for it and I type in like chrome body tape body tape you know like decorative body tape couldn't find anything because body tape is used a lot for women who want to like make their own tape bras and like they're wearing a plunge so they're taping their bras or they're taping like it's mostly boob tape that's <laughs> there, all nude neutral colored boob tape um and that's not what I'm looking for then today I typed in artistic body tape boom the black tape project popped up and this is the um, it's a website called the black tape project project and they have the most beautiful iridescent body tapes um, and the point like what you do with them so you can get a one inch wide roll or a two inch wide roll and so every roll that I got is two inch wide so you take scissors and you basically cut it up and place it wherever you want to and it's just such a beautiful looking I mean of course every single 
woman on that website is a size two supermodel and they just look like so ethereal and just beautiful. But I thought how fun to get my cameraman <laughs> to tape me up. Um, and I'm talking like everywhere. You know what I mean? I mean, not everywhere, but just covering the bits and then just running around. <laughs> just tape, just wearing tape. It's kind of like a body paint concept. And there's actually somebody that I know that does body painting. And I also want to do that. She does more um, artistic body painting, not necessarily realism. So you've seen certain types of body body paint. There are different genres of body painting. And one is like very artistic and kind of almost like avatar-esque, like, you know, you're a, you know, a fairy or something. Or you get painters that paint like jeans on you and like a jersey top. And it looks like you're wearing clothes, but you're not. So um, that is something else I want to do as well for OnlyFans Patreon. The body tape will definitely be OnlyFans Patreon as well, uh, just as kind of an experiment. But I've got some Halloween, like if it arrives on time, I just ordered it today. So um, it should be here in time for some Halloween fun, just depending on how I'm feeling. <laughs> but body tape and body paint, kind of a way to, you know, wear something without actually wearing something. I think it's sexy and I like the idea. Okay, um, so this year for my Halloween special that I'm doing on Patreon and OnlyFans, um, I've decided to change it up a little bit. So it's normally been about 20 videos. So some Halloweens I'll do 25 and then some will do 20. Um, this year I'm doing 15 videos uh, like cutting it a bit shorter, um, but I'm charging less. So it's not like you're not going to pay the same price for fewer videos. So basically it's the same exact same concept. You're going to get a video every day for 15 days, including bonus videos. So from the 15th to the 31st. And, um, but basically with at a, at a bit of a lower price point, I can also include more people because you know, what I was charging before, a little bit expensive for some people. So this way I may, you know, pull off a broader audience. And also I'm just so busy <laughs> this month that the thought of just eliminating an extra five videos uh, really helps me out and lets me put more energy into the videos that I'm actually putting out rather than rushing through trying to film them all in time and that kind of thing. So, um, and you'll hear more about my October at the end of October. So, <laughs> because there is some crazy stuff happening and you guys will understand if you just give me a chance to explain myself, okay? Yeah, so the thing is with, with Halloween is I want to be able to take my time and put the time into it that I need to to have a good Halloween high tier. It's going to be called Cat's Halloween Special and there'll be more information um, available very soon about what to expect, when it's going to be ready. And like I said, the 15th to the 31st, that's for sure going to happen. Um, and it'll be available on Patreon and OnlyFans. Uh, and it's basically me trying on 15 different super sexy Halloween costumes and then kind of doing a bit of a striptease to reveal something special underneath. Um, and it's just fun. It's a fun way to spend October. Uh, I'm a huge Halloween fan and um, I've got some great costumes and some different accessories this year, including a chair, <laughs> not just a pole. I got a chair now too. So um, that'll make a big difference with just different positions. 
and all that fun stuff. All that jazz. Um, so I'm so, so, so excited. And like I said, the fact that I've kind of alleviated myself of an extra fight, like it will allow me to have a bit more fun with it and get a little bit more into it. Maybe get some makeup, different makeup. Because before with the other tiers, I'll, you know, throw on a wig and like get into character. But I'd like to actually spend some time like really transforming myself. So... Yes, so that's that. When you were a kid, did somebody ever tape a little sign to your back that says that said kick me? Um, or anything else? It definitely happened to me. And I just literally had like a flashback not too long ago of walking down the hallway of my school and kids kicking me in the ass and not understanding why the hell they were doing it. And Nobody told me, nobody said, was like, oh, you have a sign on your back or nobody took it off. They just let it be. But I was also, I also was a bit of a, I don't know how, how to describe it. When I was in school, I was a bit of a weirdo, not in a, not in a weird way. I just was not, I was not self-aware. So I would do and say and sing things and whatever that just were not what people would normally do, right? Not what kids could understand. And um, I was very innocent. I was very kind um, and pretty much let people walk all over me. And if I could go back, of course, I think we've all had this fantasy of having our adult brain and going back into our little child body and what we would say to our teachers and the people that were bullying us and all this shit. Yeah, I, I definitely looking back, you know, I should have had more of a backbone and, and, uh, and I don't blame my mom for this at all. But like, she her her thing was always like kill them with kindness so when somebody would be really mean or whatever she'd say no nope, you know what you do you just ignore it and move on and the, like and so that's what I did but I really should have kicked some ass when I was a kid <laughs> truly I should have really plowed a few people in the face but I didn't and I uh yeah I kind of regret it but hey I um I did have that experience and I do remember like it happening to other kids too, but it was like the bullies that were doing it. And so I understand why nobody came and pulled it off my back because they were having fun with it. And if you went like against what they were trying to do or trying to prove or whatever, then you'd be like the next victim. So you couldn't, it was like a hierarchy. You just couldn't, you don't want to piss off the popular kids because then you're really in trouble, right? So... I think I avoided probably a lot more conflict by killing everyone with kindness um, as opposed to standing up for myself. But still, sometimes conflict is a good thing. I don't think that fighting or like getting into fights or whatever when you're a kid is necessarily really a bad thing. I think it is if you're doing it because you're the bully and you're trying to like and you're trying to trip the kid in the wheelchair. I mean, like in the crutches, the kid in the wheelchair is not walking. But you know what I'm saying? Um, it's not a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's not such a bad thing to go through anyway, because it does kind of toughen you up a little bit, adds a bit of character. It's like naming your kid Drawer. <laughs> He's going to have a hard time in school, but he'll come out better for it. <laughs> I just said the first thing that I saw. Maybe name your kid Drawer. <laughs> okay, yeah. really creative. I'm actually definitely getting some blackberry flavor from letting it like marinate in there this is really lovely really lovely 
What am I juggling here? <laughs> oh man. Actually, somebody um, who can juggle is impresses me every time. Because it's like just it's like it's random people at a party that just start juggling. You're like, wow, how long would it take to learn to juggle, actually? Because I've never tried to learn. I've tried to juggle, as we all have. Um, how long would it actually take to learn to juggle properly? Like, is it like, does it take like three years to master it? Or is it three weeks? Maybe it's three days. Definitely not three years, but I'm sure you can go online to YouTube and type in how to learn how to juggle. And it'll be like, learn how to juggle in 10 days. And then it like will show you technique. I think that'd be cool. Especially for around Halloween. <laughs> um, also learning to do the splits. I was really motivated when I was working out, excuse me, four days a week with my trainer and that, but which I'm working out six days a week now on my own, by the way, <laughs> um, back in the good old days when I only had to work out four days a week, uh, she's super flexible, my trainer. And it's very inspiring to see people be able to do the splits or just like stretch and like lift their leg above their head and stuff. And just for, you know, have fun in the bedroom. Flexibility is always a good thing. So I, uh, I was like, how long would it take to actually be able to do the splits? And then there are videos on YouTube of mostly women doing it, but, um, their progression so that it shows how far they can go. And then it's like sped up to every day that they stretch. And then something like three months later or something, you could, like if you stretch every day, you could do the splits, but then you got to maintain it too. You can't just be dropping splits like, oh, I, I could do the splits in third grade. And then just like <laughs> try to drop and do the splits. Um, but I think it, it definitely be a goal, like, like front splits, like scissor splits, not side splits. Because it is October and we're in spooky season, which makes me very excited. I have found some very disturbing real life news articles. <laughs> um, they're not necessarily recent, but I just thought I'd read a couple to you just because it's interesting to know these things. And this one is called, this is on a website called Esquire and it is 11 terrifying, but the true horror stories reported in the news. The first couple that I read, you know, not too, too crazy, but um, I kind of want to read one. You know, one thing I don't find creepy and that I think is kind of bogus is exorcisms and like people being possessed by demons. This is something that I've seen like numerous times on ghost adventures where people claim that they have been, that they're possessed by something. Like sometimes it's very believable. Like they're great actors. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't know everything about the paranormal and it's, it is possible in my mind, that there is something like that happening. Um, but it just doesn't get me. Like if I'm watching a horror film, if it's like about an ex or somebody possessed, it just drives me nuts. Like, okay, they're going to start acting like this and they're like rolling their eyes in the back of their head and they're going to start to speak in tongues and like in, in a voice that's eight octaves lower than theirs. And it's kind of predictable. <laughs> um, and that just like, before I start reading these, just on another note, I just thought of it right now. One element of a good horror film to me is when they don't show they don't show the character that's like the scary one you know like the the creepy doll the spirit the zombie or whatever's after whoever's in the movie it's when they just show tiny glimpses of the thing but not fully so like for example in the grudge um 
and I believe this is the movie I'm thinking of, uh, the character, like the the spirit character, is white-faced, black hair, kind of like looks like the ring character. Um, and then, but this is the sound the character makes. Like that. And, but it shows like, like so the guy's like, huh, huh, and then the character is like, like crawling like down the stairs weird, but it's all like, but it shows the whole character. So you have a, you can look at it going like, what the fuck? Like, that's really weird. And if it's done really, really, really well, maybe it works. But I prefer when it, you could just see it kind of like scurrying behind the door. And that's all you see. You don't show the whole demon in the first go. Like, leave something to the imagination. That's why The Babadook is a really good movie to me. Because it's not, sh like, there is this there is this demon that's in living in this house. Okay, I won't give any too many spoilers. If you've never seen The Babadook, watch it. I think it's a great movie. Um, until the very, very end, they just kind of show it a little bit. And it's because it ruins it for me. If I see the like the bad character right away, it's like, shit, what the hell's the point? And I get it. Some people probably like that. But OK, so let me get into a couple of these articles. So this is called The Axe Murder House. The Villisca Axe Murder House in Villisca, Iowa, is a well-known tourist attraction for ghost hunters and horror lovers alike. The site of a gruesome unsolved 1912 murder in which six children and two adults had their skulls completely crushed by the axe of an unknown perpetrator was purchased in 1994, restored to its 1912 condition, and converted into a tourist destination. Is that how much how sick that is? <laughs> well, six people were murdered here. Let's turn it into a tourist attraction. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> it it kind of was, actually. <clears throat> it costs $428 a night to stay at the old haunted home, where visitors always report a strange paranormal experience, such as visions of a man with an axe roaming the halls or the faint screams of children. But in November of 2014, the haunting took a darker turn. Robert Stephen Lawrenson, Jr., <clears throat> 37 years old, uh, of Wisconsin was on a regular recreational paranormal visit with friends when true horror struck. His companions found him stabbed in the chest, an apparently self-inflicted wound, called 911, and Lawrenson was brought to a nearby hospital before being helicoptered to Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha. The Montgomery County Sheriff's, Sheriff's Office said Lawrenson suffered the self-inflicted injury at about 12.45 a.m., which is around the same time the 1912 axe murders in the house began. Lawrenson recovered from his injuries, but has never spoken publicly about what occurred that day. For Martha Lynn, the owner of the home, the incident was very upsetting. It's publicity, but it's not exactly the kind of publicity you desire to have. I don't want people thinking that when they come to visit the Basilica Axe Murder House, something's going to happen that's going to make them do something like that. The house remains open for tourist visits and overnight stays today. So if you're over in Lawrenson, Wisconsin, or whatever the hell that is, I already forgot, Basilica, Iowa. <laughs> uh, okay, so to sum it up, basically the guy, somebody stabbed themselves in the house. So that is dedication. Okay, so if he wasn't possessed by some demon of the house and he just decided, hey, I bet I can get on the news. <laughs> uh, how bad were the injuries? Like, did he just like stab his arm like, like oh my God, <sighs> somebody stabbed me. Oh, wait, I stabbed myself. 
I don't know how it went down, but I'm, I'm imagining something like that. Um, okay, this next one, <laughs> uh, it's called The Haunted Doll. I'm not going to read it because it's actually kind of cheesy. Basically, Elsa, the doll, started speaking Spanish. Instead of saying let it go in English, it was saying let it go in Spanish. Um, and there was no button to switch it off. And anyway, they got rid of the doll, uh, buried it in the backyard, and wound up back in their bench in their home. Okay. <laughs> okay, this next one's called A Deadly Exorcism, which I'm not going to read. Oh, okay, this one's called Dead Animals in the Walls. Ooh, I kind of like the sounds of that. <laughs> Sick, but it's true. When the Bretzwee family decided to insulate their home in Auburn, Pennsylvania in 2015, they discovered that it had already been with scores of dead animal carcasses. The dead animals were wrapped in newspapers from the 1930s and 40s and were among half-used spices and other items. After removing the items, they sent hundreds of artifacts and carcasses to an expert in Kutztown. Okay. Uh, the expert attributed the rotting animals in the walls to powwow or Dutch magic, a ritual or originating in the culture of the Pennsylvanian Dutch to treat ailments and gain physical spiritual protection. The Pennsylvania Dutch were a group of German-speaking settlers to Pennsylvania in the 1600s and 1700s and are often of Lutheran, Mennonite, or Amish faiths. I'm Dutch. I've never heard of this shit before, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> uh, the Washington Post notes on the magic. Many of the spells deal with the care of livestock, finding water, or treatment of minor ailments, reflecting the conditions and concerns of early American settlers. But powwow also had within it a tradition of darker spells, and even of such things as conjuring demons. Uh, one notable ritual in their tradition is this hex to create loyalty in a dog. To attach a dog to a person, provided nothing else was used before to affect it. Try to draw some of your blood and let the dog eat it along with its food, and he will stay with you. The mold found on the rotting carcasses in the Bretzwe home has caused illness among the family members, and they say the odor hasn't gone away. If the odor and the mold doesn't go away, you, maybe you should go away. Just burn the place down, okay? Get out of there. <laughs> this next one's called Florida Devil Worshipping. Nope. Okay, this one's called the the phone stalker. If it's creepy enough to make it onto this website, then maybe it's a good one. Let's see. The phone stalker. In 2017, ABC News documented a series of cell phone calls to families with terrifyingly specific death threats. The unidentified callers knew exactly what families were doing and what they were wearing. The families say the calls uh, come in all hours of the night, threatening to kill their children, their pets, and grandparents. Voicemails arrive playing recordings of the private conversations, including one with a local police detective. The caller knows the family said what they're wearing and what they're doing. And after months of investigating, police seem powerless to stop them. I kind of think I know where this is going. This went on with the, God, all these last names, Q Canal family for months, who reported a caller with a scratchy voice threatening to slit their throats. When... The Firecrest Washington police tried to find the culprit. The calls were traced back to the Kukendall's own phones, even when they were turned off. 
It got worse. The Kukendalls and two other Firecrest families told ABC News that they believe the callers are using their cell phones to spy on them. They say that hackers know their every move and where they are, and what they're doing and what they're wearing. The callers have recorded private conversations, uh, the families and police said, including a meeting with local detective, with a local detective. So obviously they can see you. I doubt that they're able to hack your phone, but potentially, like I, what, when I said I think I know where this is going, I saw a story one time about um, there were people that were hacking into like baby cameras. So like, you know how you can, you know, put a camera in your baby's room, almost like a nighttime monitor. And then you can like go on your app and see them. And I have friends that have showed me this. They're like, oh, they're sleeping. Like, it's adorable. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But they were able to, like, the hackers were able to hack into the system and start talking to the children through the camera and, like, weird stuff like that. So I thought that this was going to be one of those things. But if you have security cameras in your home, um, which I do, (laughs) um, you know, inside, outside, there's always the possibility maybe that somebody could hack into those and see you and then you know because I don't know what it takes to hack into something it's such total like sci-fi craziness to think that I would be able to go and figure out how to like if if I had to save the planet by hacking into somebody's security system that I knew the, the planet would explode like there's no way on earth that I would ever be able to figure that out like it's mind boggling to me that people can like do, do that kind of shit. It's just wild. Um, anyway, so yeah, weird. I would assume that maybe there's something like going on, not necessarily with their phones, but it could be, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. This last one is called Issei the Cannibal. In 1974, 24-year-old Waco University student Issei Segawa allegedly followed a German woman to her home in Tokyo, Japan, broke into her apartment while she was sleeping, and attempted to cut a piece of flesh off her body to consume. When she awoke, she reportedly fought him, and he was later captured by police. According to a 2012 Vice documentary that covered Issei's bizarre story, he was mistakenly charged with attempted rape and his wealthy father paid the victim a settlement outside of court to have the charges dropped. So his wealthy, so Issei's wealthy father paid the victim a settlement just to kind of shut her up. Seven years later in 1981, he allegedly committed a murder in France, shooting and eating a fellow university student, Rene Hartfelt. Issei creepily documented the entire experience with photographs and he was captured by authorities once again while attempting to dump the rest of her body in the Bois de Boulogne Lake. He was deported back to Japan and committed to a mental institution. Uh, For reasons unknown, his psychologist in Japan declared that he was sane. Furthermore, a legal technically involved... uh, a, A legal technicality involving the French government refusing to turn over the documents from his case meant that his murder charges were dropped completely. He checked himself out of the mental hospital and has reportedly been walking the streets as a free man ever since. Issei has become a controversially a controversial celebrity writing over 20 books. According to Japan Today, he most recently fantasized about an unnamed TV actress saying, I'll catch a glimpse of her thighs and think, that sure looks tasty, but I don't feel like I actually want to eat it. As I accomplished the act of cannibalism once, 
there's no meaning to maintaining the desire for it anymore. In my book, I wrote that it, human flesh, was tasty, but that it was not really true. I'd much rather eat a must a mastu, matsutake, no, matsuzaka Kobe beef, <laughs> but because I desired to consume human flesh for so long, I'd managed to convince myself that it would necessarily be delicious. Issei Seigwa has now referred to the Rolling Stones song, Too Much Blood, with the lyrics reading, and when he ate, <laughs> and when he ate her, he took her bones to the Bois de Belong. <laughs> He currently, he's currently 73 years old and continues to live in Kawasaki uh, City, Japan. To this day, no one knows why France did not allow Japan to give him a trial. Well, on that note, would you eat human flesh? <laughs> I've often, so I've eaten weird things before. I've eaten tarantulas. Uh, I shouldn't say tarantulas. I've tasted tarantula. I've tasted scorpion, water beetles, lots of different insects, rattlesnake, alligator, shark, um, what else? Emu or not emu, the other one. <laughs> um, you know, the great big birds, not the emu, the other one. <laughs> uh, so I've had a lot of different things. The thing is, is that the thought, like, you'd think that somebody would have to have died to, for their flesh to be there, like to eat it. So that thought is weird. That is the person still alive. Were they murdered for their flesh? Did you have to kill them to eat them? Like if there was a plane crash and there were 10 of you and, you know, there were eight left and two perished, unfortunately, but you ate them. You could, you, if you had to, you could do it. But would you, given the option, <laughs> would you? Um, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I have my own answer. I'm going to keep in my own head. I'd be curious. That's what I can say. I'd be really curious as to what the hell it would taste like. I've had a lot of wild meats too. Wild game, up the yin yang, <laughs> okay? And some, it tastes really not good. Um, probably the worst, so kangaroo meat, I've had, I forgot to include kangaroo. Probably the worst tasting flesh. Also recently I had some raw goose liver because a friend of mine shot a bunch of geese and we were smoking geese and I was like, Hey, by the way, like the raw liver is supposed to be extremely good for you. And eating raw organ meats is also like you do research about it, but um, is like part of who we are as human beings and um, different cultures do it. So worst tasting meat I think I've ever had was probably like a really old mutton, like a really old sheep but it wasn't cooked enough. And it was just, it literally had like almost like a sour taste to it. It was in Ireland. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so maybe it was, I, I didn't maybe understand what went into creating it. Maybe it was fermented. I don't know. Apparently like fermented shark meat is supposed to be the worst, but Hey, you know, Life is all about new experiences and teaching yourself things and experiencing things. And I fully believe that my nipples have been out the whole time. No, I'm just joking. That, um, yeah, it's a fun thing to do. Eat weird shit and try cultural things. And I don't know, who am I try I'm trying to teach you lessons after a, a good full glass of wine? But hey, <laughs> no, I feel good. Um, anyway, you guys, that concludes episode 71. I hope that you loved it. I'll be back next week in an entirely different persona. What will I be? Only one way to find out. 
and that's to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss Kitty Liquor number 71, I mean 72, episode 72. Um, every episode <laughs> this month will be, I'll be in a different kind of costume. So just subscribe just for that, just to see what I'm wearing next Friday, because I really don't even know yet. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have fun deciding. Also, uh, subscribe, of course, but like this video if you enjoyed it. If you made it to the end, thank you so, so much. I'm so happy that you hung out with me this entire time. Um, and don't forget that my cat's Halloween special starts on uh, October 15th. So you can find information on Patreon, OnlyFans, or Instagram, kind of wherever else uh, you'll be able to find info. So you can participate because it's going to be fun. Uh, and also I've got an OnlyFans Patreon. If you haven't heard me say it 10,000 times. Um, so just letting you know, that'll be linked down below my pillar link. Uh, that's where uh, you can find my Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all that stuff down there. Uh, and yes, thank you guys for tuning in for watching this episode and uh, I can't wait to see you in my next video. Have a great weekend.